Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and the surrounding areas and towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast is about the Blue Ridge National Heritage, Heritage Areas and uh, some of the music trails and other things related. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. Now, imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant, with a chic Appalachian feel, a place with a country inn's amenities and services, a place for adventure and relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventures start with where you stay. Smokiesadventure.com. Smokies is plural. Adventure.com is the place to go to get information and listings about the Smokies. Uh, it uh, focuses on outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoon, and more. You can go there to get uh, trail maps and hiking uh, guides and, and information to help you enjoy your adventures in the Smoky Mountains. Its goal is to become the leading information portal on the Smoky Mountains. So I'm, I'm, uh, we're in the middle of leaf season down in, uh, in, the, uh, down in the mountains here, Smoky Mountains. Uh, it, we've just about reached peak now, but it's going to be going, again, going on this weekend and for the next week. Uh, to go see the go go see the the really the brightest colors you can see uh, in God's country, and uh, so I recommend everybody not miss this chance. The end of October and November, first week of November seems to be when things are going to uh, hit the hit the top of it. Well, we were expecting it earlier, but it seems like it got delayed. So I was just down there; it's beautiful, and I recommend everybody go out to Maggie Valley and go to the Meadowlark Motel, or just anywhere in in the Western North Carolina and see those. Um, beautiful colors. Um, so um, I, have a, I have a wonderful guest today. His name is Brandon Johnson, and he is a native of Lenore, North, North Carolina. And he's now living in Asheville, where he is the program manager for the Blue Ridge National Heritage Area. He formerly worked as an English literature and Appalachian culture instructor at Mars Hill College. Not only is he a scholar of Appalachian culture, but he also has hands-on experience with leading with traditional music and craft endeavors, such as the Bluff Mountain Festival. Hello, Brandon. Hey there, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm sure I'm glad you are. I'd like to see all those fiddles in the background there. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're coming, coming to you live from the shop here. Yeah. So uh, you grew up in Lenore, North Carolina. That's another small town like Maggie Valley. What is, uh, what is, it, what is its claim to fame? Lenore was the furniture capital of the South for many years. Um, and lots of people still have that recollection, but there's not a whole lot of it there anymore. Um, some of the, the original uh, companies like uh, Bernhardt is still there working. 
Uh, but most of that got shipped overseas with NAFTA and CAFTA. And uh, that's, that's kind of the, the core of the past there in a lot of ways. I've did any, did any craft furniture uh, uh, industry develop, you know, artisanal furniture, anything like that to take advantage of the reputation? It's well, so there's some, I know like there's a hardwood flooring company that moved into one of the factories. Um, and there's some, some other, you know, kind of smaller niche uh, furniture companies that moved in um, focused on, you know, American made products and designs and stuff. Google set up a server farm, didn't they? <laughs> Google did. Yeah. Google's security force was bigger than Lenore PD. Um, I know at one point, so <laughs> But uh, you know you're an interesting you're, situation there. So you're part of the Lenore's part of the foothills of the of the Blue Ridge of the Blue Ridge and the Smokies. Well, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of great music in that re- region, and uh, like the Happy Valley Fiddlers Convention. Did those traditions inspire you to become a musician? It did. You know, I I didn't uh, really lay into the music until I was in college, but I I learned enough guitar. Uh, my dad plays uh, guitar and, and, and bass and sings a lot. So I learned enough from him in high school. Uh, my joke is not to forget it. Um, <laughs> and then, so I went, uh, I really started learning in college, but uh, I definitely attended the Happy Valley Fiddlers Convention um, in the early to mid, well, I'd say mid to late 2000s. And um, uh, they haven't had it the past two years. So I'm currently the reigning mandolin champion. Of the Happy oh, Valley. really? Fiddler's convention, yeah. You have a, been, three, a three a three year crown, huh? <laughs> three year crown, yeah. I've been fortunate to win it twice. I think I won it in uh, 2014 and then 2019. So if I win again, I can't compete anymore. But uh, I, my joke is that I have a job and a house and kids, and I I can't practice to keep up with high school kids anymore. So oh no, we'll, we'll see well, what the future uh, looks like. So besides your dad, who is your other influences in music? Uh well, so more of my influences in music came from um, over here. I'm coming to you from North Asheville, pretty much Weaverville, Stony Knob area. Um, I have to remember uh, Arvel Freeman, who passed away last week, was a good friend of mine and a teacher. I took lessons from him for about six weeks or, or six months, excuse me, a couple of years ago. Uh, but I really, um, I picked it up from a lot of musicians around here. Roger Howe was a guy um, in Mars Hill that I got to know when I was going to college at Mars Hill. And uh, he repaired fiddles, which is kind of part of how I got to doing this. Uh, but he, um, I heard him play a tune called Squirrel Hunters um, at the Bluff Mountain Festival one time. And it, it made me want to play the fiddle. Uh, it's a really great fiddle tune. It's a little different than, than some of the others you might see, might hear. Um, and so I said, well, Roger, would you teach me to play that? I think I'm going to get a fiddle. And he said, I will. And so that's kind of one of the key moments that really put me on the fiddle and um, I just, uh, you know, kind of got into it in college a lot. Um, I started listening to Nickel Creek um, and that kind of pulled me back in. I remember um, we talk about it kind of as a seismic shift in the traditional music world. Um, The Nickel Creek came out and the Oh Brother Where Art Thou album came out around the same time in the early 2000s and kind of revitalized interest in uh, bluegrass and traditional and old time music. And my family bought a Nickel Creek album and the Oh Brother Where Art Thou album in the same trip to Barnes and Noble. I remember that distinctly. So it was kind of like, (laughs) a, uh, you know, a supernova is going off or something for me, at least. And I, I was riding around today, actually, I'm fortunate enough to get to take the parkway to work. Um, and so uh, the leaves are doing great up there. And I was remembering um, I heard 
one of the moments I really knew I loved music, I was listening to Nickel Creek. My family was going from uh, Blowing Rock to Banner Elk on 221, right under the, the Lenco Viaduct on the parkway. And the, it was the first time I'd ever really, it was, it was probably the early 2000s, really ever uh, fell in love with uh, the way the edges of maple leaves turn orange. So you have that orange and green together. And I remember that visual very distinctly and listening to, to Nickel Creek on that drive. And that's kind of, to me, the one of the moments I can trace it all back to of, of how I really dug in. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's nice to actually have, you know, uh, both a visual and an audio uh, cues to bring back a memory and to actually also instill passion for something. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so your well, your dad wasn't a, a bluegrass or he was he was a musician, but not in. Yeah, my dad played uh, electric bass in southern rock bands in Spartanburg. Um, yeah. I think he kind of he laid off of that. Um, he, well, he my dad's not really a, a partier as such, so he was not <laughs> super into the bar scene. He loved the music, but he didn't like where he played. And um, but he he was a huge Marshall Tucker band fan band fan and Mm -hmm. uh when i think it was toy caldwell died there were rumors in spartanburg that my dad was going to replace him in marshall uh but my dad said he couldn't have hung with him in the studio but he probably could have on stage that didn't happen however um and my dad traded an amp for an acoustic guitar and that's that kind of the one i learned on all right so you didn't you didn't learn a lot of southern rock then (laughs) You, you know a little bit my when I was learning really kind of starting to play out at first, I would, we'd play some John Denver. My dad is a huge John Denver fan. I remember it was like a, a massive day of mourning in our family when John Denver died. Um, but so, uh, you know, that music's really powerful. Um, you know, I think some of the first music you ever hear is it, not to go to Thomas Wolfe, but it kind of is encoded in you. And when you hear it, it does interesting things to you. Thomas uh, or um, John Denver and James Taylor and Billy Joel, some of those that my parents listen to, I hear that and I get mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it takes me back to a, a different place in time. So, um, so do you play in a band now? I do not. Um, I, I played in a band until about early 2019 and um, I played in several bands since I've been here in Nashville, but uh, I have a, a five-year-old boy and an 11 week old boy. Mm, yeah. um, which are occupying that sort of prevents tours yeah yeah uh, yeah i I, that being said i have uh i do have an album in the works um under my my name it'd be a brandon johnson album that um is kind of my father's day present my wife said what do you want for father's day and i said i want just a weekend she was pregnant we were awaiting our second son and i said just a weekend to go make this happen and so i've got a good really good friend who's got a good recording set up. And so we, we cut most of it. I think there are a couple of things left to do and mixing and mastering and stuff. So there's some good, be... there's some good uh, bluegrass and, and uh, you know, labels in Asheville. It's like, it's got some, you know, I know the, uh, uh, some of the people associated with Balsam range are also in, involved with a, uh, something there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mountain home music, organic records. Uh, that's yeah. a, a really great company, really at the forefront of bluegrass. Uh, Cool. And as some people would call it, bluegrass adjacent music these days. <laughs> do you know you don't have to know Will Ritter, do you? I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. He's we had him we had him on the show, and uh, he's actually come out to play at the Metal Arc a couple times. 
Yeah, that's great. Will and I uh, both went to App State to get our master's and he was, I think, maybe a year after I was. So we we, we kind of crossed paths a little bit. We've gotten to know each other a little bit uh, after that. I really respect his music and his, you know, devotion to, to seeds particular and stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's up he's up there in Madison County, so it's not too far from where you are, right? No, sir, no, sir. All right, cool. Um so um so that that music is is a passion, but you you uh ended up getting into academia and writing. What was what was the uh uh we only have a minute before we go for the break, so I want to continue this after after this, but uh what would you say is the um the first thing, the first moment when you decided you wanted to do a little bit of writing. Well, I, I remember writing as a kid, writing down some stories that my grandmother told me um, when I was probably four or five. There, I do have actual recorded stories I wrote when I was four or five. Oh wow! Um, but uh, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of that until I got kind of into college and I actually did some poetry writing and maybe a little bit of fiction in high school. I really fell in love with some particular poetry, which we can follow up on there. But it's, uh, uh, yeah, it kind of it started early, I guess. My family likes to talk and tell stories, so I think that was just part of part uh, of me that I couldn't escape. Cool. Well, um, you know, my quick poetry stories. I, I've actually written poetry too, and uh, but I've been more performative than any you know, any kind of formal training or anything like that. But I my claim to fame is I've had my poetry published on the jumbotron in Times Square. <laughs> nice that's a pretty good claim there yeah uh so anyway we're gonna take a break and we'll talk more about uh your academic and writing career awesome are you a business owner do you want to be a business owner do you work with business owners hi i'm stephen fry your small and medium-sized business or smb guy and i'm the host of the new show always friday While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
So this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Brandon Johnson. So Brandon, you, um, you, you get into college and you, 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 you get into academia, even though you're studying music, you, you decide to become a, 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 a creative writer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's was always kind of my ambition more so than teaching, but uh, you kind of got to do one to get to the other. Uh, right at least in, in my way i see that uh, did you i see that you have a lot of involvement with the thomas wolf literary awards from yeah. Western north carolina history you were like the chair of the awards committee and things and uh mm-hmm. was 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 a thomas a, a focus of your academic career or your early writing most definitely um i read i read thomas wolf for the first time i think it was 2007 maybe and uh, it was really, it was hugely impactful for me, um, A, as, as a young man from Western North Carolina, um, you know, very much a rural place, uh, some education, not a ton, definitely not wealthy. Um, you know, he, he was kind of one of us that, that did it. So he was a big, uh, you know, a figure for me, somebody to look to. And Lots of writers I've heard, you know, Fred Chappell and, and uh, Ron Rash talk about Thomas Wolfe in that same way. Um, so I read him and, and I read Little Homer and Angel for the first time and was kind of like, what the hell? Um, and then read it subsequently and, and uh, really kind of caught a groove with it and started to understand it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he always and, and interestingly enough, I'm a little I'm growing a little bit, but we're about the same size physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like six, six and a half, two fifty, and I'm I'm a, about an inch inch taller than that. But it, we're there's a cutout of him at the Thomas Wolf House, and I've got a picture standing beside it because we're kind of the same size. And um, he actually he wrote a short story called uh, Gulliver, uh, the story of a tall man. And I remember I was sitting in a coffee shop in Asheville reading it, and I just broke out in tears because he described my life to me. Um, and the whole premise was that people get caught up in someone who's tall and then being tall and ask questions like, how's the weather up there? And did you play basketball and all these kinds <laughs> of things, which, you know, I'd heard 8 million times in my life. Um, and Thomas was very much like, you know, what matters in life is the smallest thing that you just barely remember mm-hmm. uh, here and there. And so it just kind of exploded on me. And he, so we, I think have a lot in common in, in some ways. And of course he was brilliant and, and much more prolific than I am, but um yeah, it was always there. And so I kind of, um, I wrote my master's thesis on Thomas Wolfe, T.S. Eliot, and Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about in, that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So he, <laughs> uh, I never really read him in class that much. Um, so it was kind of the thing I had to pursue myself. And um, and I've taught him. I've really gone out of my way to teach him in literature classes that I've taught. And it's been a real honor to work with uh, the Wilma Dykeman Legacy and the Thomas Wolfe Memorial. To they do a Thomas Wolfe Short Story Book Club, club, and so I've been a, a discussion leader at that for probably five or six years now. Wow. And uh, it's a can, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know he's he's very interesting to me. I'm also, I'm also a tall man. I'm a, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit heavier than you guys, <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm almost I'm like six five and a half. So you know up there. Uh, yeah. And I was born and raised in Western North Carolina, and then I went to New York City, you know, and finding yeah, my success here. More like pretty much. <laughs> now you did a pre- presentation for the Appalachian Studies Association. You said where you said is Thomas Wolfe Appalachian, 
What did. did you decide in that presentation? Well, first of all, I, I do have to say I'll pronounce it Appalachian. Well, a lot of people, um, have, you know, there's a lot of people that will. So there's, uh, there's a lot of talk about that, but uh, I broke that down into a couple a couple kind of areas to look at it. So Thomas Wolfe is, is not Appalachian in the sense of what most of what he writes about is not set in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. The part of App- most of his writing that is in Appalachia is in Asheville, which is an urban center as opposed to a rural space, which is App- Appalachian literature is pretty much is usually set in. Um, and he also, um, there's a guy, I can't remember his name right now, Jedediah Evans, I think in Australia, that just wrote a book about Thomas Wolfe. And I reviewed it uh, and I realized in, in that review that Thomas Wolfe kind of looks forward instead of looking backwards. So his nostalgia is nostalgia for longing, for wanting, for discovering something in the future and not for the past so that's kind of counterintuitive to the way a lot of people um, exist and think in in Appalachian writing Mm -hmm. Um, so in those ways he's not in a very strict geographic sense he is because he's from Asheville Uh, his family's from here he does um, he wrote a novel um, called The Hills Beyond that he didn't finish actually before he died that followed um, the family of Zebulon Vance, who was a wartime governor of North Carolina. There's been a lot of discussion about Zebulon Vance, who is a well-documented racist now, and they've taken down the Vance Monument in Nashville. Um, but the the novel followed his family and spent time in rural spaces. So there are, there are some Appalachian situations. And Thomas Wolfe also um, had an interesting relationship with race and how he portrayed race in his work. Um, and I think part of that was the urban nature of what he wrote. Um, so it's really, I I said something smart and clever, like sometimes yes, sometimes no, or something like that. uh, You didn't come up with a final solution, but you know, Appalachians, but I I still say Appalachian because that's the way I grew up saying it. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I have a problem because I always spell it A-I-N instead of (laughs) A-I-A-N because I did that. Um, but, um. Uh, Appalachians are um, are are not some you know uh, uniform uh, group of people. You know, mm-hmm. you know, not as many people as many people fought on the side of the Union as as the as the Confederacy back in the day. I mean, it was, it's mm-hmm. a fractious lot and iconoclastic and and all sorts of different approaches to living and 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 and, and thinking things. You know, one of the things we're doing with the, the Metal Arc Mountain, the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center, it, it's, I like that what you said about Thomas Wolfe is that it's focused on a nostalgia for the future, right? It's a, it's like bringing what was really wonderful and creative and interesting from the past, but, you know, in a way that's, you know, targeted towards the future, right? And uh, the mm-hmm. growth of that, so... Uh, now I did read the, your, the, I didn't read your whole thesis, but I, I, I read a little bit of the abstract. I'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, 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 I, I, you said something that really, you know, was interesting to me. This, you focus on the idea of, of social energies, you know, that, were, that was created by two other, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, people before you, I forget their names, you'll know them. Uh, that uh, to, to create connections between authors and their works, uh, and sort of draw a line of you know you know of uh, between authors and what they're working about. And can you explain, tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, it comes pretty squarely out of the new historicist um, literary theory and Stephen Greenblatt. Um, I believe he he was the author of the of the main text I used to kind of 
ground that in theory. Um, and so the idea is that uh, social energies flow throughout everything that's written. Um, and so the idea, it really, the whole thing came to me. It really started some of the first literature I ever loved was uh, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. And I was really attracted to that because it had, um, it echoed Ecclesiastes in lots of places. And, uh, you know, I grew up, I grew up in, in a very religious household. And, and I think that reading the Bible and understanding the, the symbolism of the Bible and figurative language of the Bible really kind of set me up to, to think in a literary way. Uh, as I got older. Um, but so I, I realized, you know, okay, well, T.S. Eliot talks about Ecclesiastes. And then when I dug into Thomas Wolfe, he pulled straight out of T.S. Eliot's poems, uh, Flow Softly, Sweet Thames, uh, you know, straight out of the wasteland. April is the cruelest month. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, something's happening here uh, because Wolfe is pulling from Eliot, Eliot's pulling from Ecclesiastes, and then Wolfe is also using Ecclesiastes. So uh, the argument is essentially, you know, T.S. Eliot read Ecclesiastes and influenced him this way. And then Wolf read Eliot, who had also read Ecclesiastes, and then that influenced Wolf in a different way. So you could draw a lineage from throughout the centuries through those texts and how they've influenced one another. So once and, and the, the idea is that once something is written, it's part of literature. And so it influences literature, period. And you can't really escape the influence of any particular thing because you don't know what the person who wrote what you're reading has read in the past. So when people uh, invent a word or a phrase or something and it, and it catches on, they actually create a sort of immortality that has a lineage that goes down through centuries and you know, maybe even eons. Exactly, um, yeah. And um, and uh, and you and it'd be interesting to do network mapping on that to see if you can map <laughs> lineages. I mean, it'd be interesting. Like, you know, they can lineage, create lineages with DNA, and all. They, uh, there seems to me you should be able to create lineages with literature too. Uh, I was wondering if that would also apply to other things besides just the written word. It seems to me that that would be in the arts as well. You know, oh, artists music, reference. 100%. And not marks, but also visual arts. It's references yeah. all the way. You know, you're pulling stuff back. But, you know, then I started thinking, well, man, it's probably even to, into, into things like politics. You know, ideas and, and phrases used in politics, you know, probably have a lineage of, uh, of that sort of social energy as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a real cool concept. I really, I really like the, I like getting into that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so you, um, you getting back a little bit of the music and the stuff that you're doing, um, I, you know, I, I have been to the Bluff Mountain Festival in Hot Springs, North you Carolina. You have. Excellent. I have, believe it or not. I, I used to like to go to the Hot Springs, get in those hot tubs, right? It's a nice yeah. little resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the festival is a lot of fun, a lot of dancing and everything else. How long were you festival director? I well, I'm, I'm still the festival director. I started in uh, 2014. With, I was co-director in 2014, and so I've been doing it since. Um, and I started as an intern with the Madison County Arts Council. Uh, with I did through the Bonner Scholarship at uh, at Mars Hill College, um, and so I, I started working kind of as an intern for the festival, and then uh, I ended up directing it, which is. Uh, really one of the the really big honors of my life it's a festival that's been going for a quarter century now um and it's it's really unique in how it got started um and so it it carries on 
dance traditions, ballad singing traditions, fiddling traditions, um, storytelling traditions in Hot Springs, um, which is a, a really cool and unique place. Oh yeah, it's got some. It's for such a tiny little town. It's got some nice little restaurants there, and you know, and that nice resort. And, then, and they have a, a new brewery, a new oh, brewery a there. Brewery. You know, actually, big, can, big pillow brewing. And then you can go uh, go uh, rafting there, and then of course they got the Rattler, the motorcycle ride. That's really great to go to get there from Maggie Valley. So, all right, it's we're gonna take a break. One of two towns, yeah. When we only one of two towns that the Appalachian Trail goes through. Yeah. <laughs> So when we get back, we'll talk more about the music and then the Blue Ridge uh, National Heritage Area. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Paco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Brandon Johnson. So, Brandon, I, I see that you also make musical instruments. You man, you create them. In fact, some of those are, those are some of your fiddles behind you, right? Yeah, these two right here are I've built and I've worked on repairing some of those others there. Yeah. And how did yes. you get into that? It's, uh, well, it, it really kind of came together with a couple things. I, um, 
we bought our first house and I built some shelves and it was the first time I ever really worked in wood. And I kind of liked that. And my, my mom's uh, father, uh, his name is Ken Carlisle, um, was lived in Duncan, South Carolina, was a woodworker, had a great shop. And I remember he would always just whip up toys for me out of the shop. And that was cool. And then um, I had, I was working on the Lunsford Festival at Mars Hill University and, and my friend Roger Howe uh repaired a fiddle of a really great influential fiddler from from western north carolina and i i was there as we kind of videoed and talked about it so I, it was the first time i ever saw anybody take the top off a violin which is something to see it's pretty violent and scary <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen it before and so all those things kind of happened about the same time and oops we lost you a little bit um so Brandon is uh, temporarily. Um, myself, but oh, there he is. We lost you for a second there. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, you were uh, violently uh, ripping apart a violin. Um, uh, ripping. Yeah, ripping, taking one apart. So just kind of seeing what that looked like and how it went. And uh, I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe I should try this. And I found one for sale on Craigslist for twenty dollars and asked Roger to help me go through it. And we did. And so then I just started buying cheap instruments off eBay and fixing them and trying to sell them. And, uh, that's, I made enough money to buy the wood to build one and found a good book and just took a lot of time and, and then have kind of been off to the races since. And is a uh, fiddles the only thing you build or you build anything else? I am currently building a cello to Spala for a very good friend of mine, which is a five string Baroque instrument. It's between a viola and a cello and it's actually held across your chest and played like this. Oh, wow. uh, and I have plans to build an F5 mandolin, like the classic bluegrass mandolin, too. And wouldn't that be one you would play? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, um, I don't have an F5. I have a, a different model, and I've, I was kind of looking for them. And I'm, I have this thing now where it's like, I want this new instrument, but I probably can't, I shouldn't buy it, because I can probably just build it. So oh, yeah, I've got yeah, a, yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I do a little bit of stuff on the side in terms of creativity. I'm an artist as well. So sometimes I get into that uh, thing, like we have the motel and putting art in, you know, that I create into a lot of the rooms and, you know, we want to do art to go faster, but I don't want to buy anybody else's. I want to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so let's talk about, you've left the academic world now, right? You've mm-hmm. taken a full-time job, a sort of a big uh, dream job at the, Blue Ridge National Heritage Area, which is an organization that preserves and promotes the natural and cultural heritage of the North Carolina mountains and foothills. How would you um, how would you describe uh, what the National Heritage Area does to achieve its mission? Mission. So we we seek to you know sustain and promote culture. Those are the kind of two words that are really in my in my mind and. Um, I, I kind of am, am the person at the organization that's really uh, the most tied into the culture in terms of practice and study. Um, so, but we really, it's a really cool organization. So the a National Heritage Area is a congressional designation. So Congress has designated that this area, uh, the culture of Western North Carolina is important to the, uh, to the country. And so we, we have a grants program. So a matching grants program that we uh, pair with different projects that fit our mission. So for example, we, uh, we funded a Cherokee syllabary exhibit that's on display right now at the museum of the Cherokee Indian. 
Um, we've funded a, a bee pollinator pathway. Uh, we've funded signage for a heritage barn display. Um, so lots of different things. And we, we have a trail, cultural trails are really kind of our main program. So the Blue Ridge Music Trails and Blue Ridge Craft Trails. And I'm the pro- program manager for those programs. Um, and so the Music Trails is all about connecting people to live music and the musical heritage of Western North Carolina, traditional music. And the craft trails is about getting visitors to craft. So we want to connect people who are interested in craft with makers, um, arts organizations and galleries where they can find authentic handmade 3D craft. Um, and Western North Carolina has been a center for craft back centuries uh, into, you know, Cherokee civilization. Um, and so it's, it's been known, particularly in the 20th century and 21st century, as a real craft mecca for lots of people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I get to drive around and talk to craft people and take pictures and write about them and put it online. It's pretty awesome. That's, that's like the newest program, right? We had uh, Leslie Hart- Hartley, yeah. I think, on here before. To, uh, who's, uh, I guess mm-hmm. the publi- publicity for that, right? Yeah, yeah she's our uh, communications manager. Yeah, so uh, that, that's the newest program. But it sounds like it's going to be a nice success. But the music one is, uh, is well-established now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's close to 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. And how many venues do you have on there? Uh, it's well over 200. Um, uh-huh. And so it's it's kind of hard to track down because if, if somebody comes to us with like a one-time event, we'll put them on um, and, you know, promote that event. Um, and then so, you know, maybe they don't have an event again, but it's it's a, a core of over 200 and kind of expanding mm-hmm. as as events and ven- venues or concerts happen in different places. Well, we're pretty proud of the Metal Ark uh, Smoky Mountain Heritage Center is now uh, on there. We've had several, uh, you know, bluegrass uh, events this, this summer and plans several more next year. Uh, yeah, I hate I couldn't get down to that bluegrass camp with Darren, Darren Nicholson, Eric Ellis and those guys. Oh, that was that was great. Yeah. And then the 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 the, um, the concert they put on that night was you know, like real Real like old time, you know, when you're growing up in the mountains, you know, people would get together uh, and really great musicians and they'd have a party and that's where they would, the band, they would just come together and start playing and they know the songs that they play. They know what needs to be sung. Somebody would know how to call it sometimes and, you know, it'd be ad hoc, but it'd be beautiful and great music. And it was just like that old timey feel. Right. Or making the purest sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. It was like, and of course we, you know, we we have sort of a rustic, uh, you know, stage with a fireplace beside it, you know, cement floor. And so it actually felt real authentic to me. I was like, it was like I was going back to, I was going back 40 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 45 years and there. But, the, uh, but, you know, it's still happening around these mountains. So how Absolutely. do you, so how do you find the venues or do they find you? Um, well, so a lot of them are established and they, they, you know, we have a, a contact that they, they can go to. We have a website, we have a Facebook, uh, a biweekly newsletter and a podcast that we do with that. So, um, you know, people can just reach out to us if they have a traditional music event they want to talk about. Uh, our website's blueridgemusicnc.com, Blue Ridge Music Trails on Facebook. And the podcast is called Down the Road on the Blue Ridge Music Trails of North Carolina. It airs bi-weekly on WCW FM. Uh, that's been a real pleasure to work on and um, a, a new a new format of writing that I've that I've kind of adapted to and learned more about. Cool. Oh, you write the podcast content? 
Yeah, I work with Laura Boosinger. She's our, our consultant, great musician herself. Cool. And, and we kind of come up with those ideas and bounce them back and forth. And, and she actually does the voiceovers. Um, and so, but yeah, that's been, it's been cool to, you know, hey, pick out great stories and get to try to tell them. Can definitely be, and it's very creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you been to all the venues or, um, or most of them? I have, I have, I've played at a fair number of the venues on the music trails. I've not, I couldn't check off all of them. I've seen concerts at lots of them. Now I'll I'll tell you in terms of the craft trails, I've visited probably more than probably close to 150 craft trail sites uh, in the past year and a half. Um, So I have been to most of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what uh, any, any favorites stick out in your mind, either on the craft trails or the music? Well, uh, definitely in terms of uh, venues, I grew up, well, I say I grew up in college. I went to the Great Eagle a ton in Asheville, which is not oh, yeah. a – people know about the Great Eagle, but it's a great spot. Um, there's a place in downtown called Five Walnut, in downtown Asheville, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's a, a wine bar with a really cool uh, small space, but they open up the windows in the summer. Uh, that's a cool spot. Um, the Lunsford Festival at Mars Hill, named after Baskin Lamar Lunsford, and the, the Bluff Mountain Festival are two – really central things to me i played at both of those and of course direct bluff and i was the interim director of the lunch festival one year um, for its 50th anniversary year so i've uh, kind of really grown up musically playing at the lunch festival i uh, was some great friends of mine uh, and so of course the metal art motel and uh speaking mountain heritage center <laughs> as well well maggie and, valley uh, was you know maggie valley has been famous for uh music for you know for a long time right and it yep. ebbs, ebbs and flows but it's growing it's growing back up a lot right now yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah i was at the uh smoky mountain bluegrass festival uh with a booth of fiddles actually uh this past weekend and uh saw bottom range and unspoken tradition and the Kruger brothers and then the darren nicholson band was going up the road to elevated mountain distillery that evening so there's there's some great stuff happening for sure oh yeah oh, oh yeah and uh yeah so no i it the, the i even i even went to the flea market a couple you know a few weekends ago and they actually had a bluegrass plant in the little gazebo there and i hadn't seen that in 20 years so uh you know it's uh it's kicking back in <laughs> yes sir um, yes sir yeah so um so you manage the craft trails and to, did you manage the traditional artist directory as well yeah i work with that that's uh something that's going to be a bigger part of my role next year because we've been so focused on the craft trail build out. But um, yeah, I've used the traditional artist directory to book events and, and to teach classes. Uh, and so it's a real honor to get to work on that uh, now. Uh, I mean, it, it has, it has, it, it has really great people on there. And I, I recommend it as a resource to anybody looking for all sorts of traditional crafts and music and storytelling artists to do for events and to reference for you know, books or whatever. It's just, I, yeah. I, I really, I really think you guys have done a completely admirable job with that. Um, Thank you. Okay, yes, so, it's a great project. So we got to take a break and uh, we'll come back and we'll finish off, we'll finish up with some of your favorite things to do in the mountains. <laughs> Perfect. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Brandon Johnson. So, Brandon, you wrote a short story on the still uh, called uh, the journey called Other Delights. And I liked your opening line. It was a man needs a few things to be consistent in life so he doesn't blow away. One of those things for me is Saturday breakfast at Maxwell Friendly's. So is Maxwell's Friendly a real place? <laughs> it's based on a real place. And what's that real place? That real place is called Clarence's Friendly Lunch. Um, and I guess it's uh, it would be considered probably in Whitnall, North Carolina, which is right around Lenore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right across the, the street from some old furniture factories. And uh, I grew up going there. Uh, Clarence was a really cool guy. And uh, I think he's, he's going out of business now. He's had some health issues, but... We would go, uh, I went to work with my parents um, in the summertime. And so we would, we would take the lunch break and go there and he would give me a quarter every time we went so I could get something out of his machines in front of the, the restaurant. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, it's nice that you're able to memorialize some of the, the things that have been meaningful in your life. You know? Um, yeah. I like to take a, to, you know, give, uh, have guests to give a, little itinerary I mentioned that to you uh so that people listening this is sort of a you know a guide to where they might want to go traveling to here could have some you know some real touch points to go to so um you know it goes through breakfast lunch blah 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 the, you know things so what what you live in the Asheville area so um mm-hmm. you know and around so what would be your Maxwell Friendly's breakfast place in the Asheville area well I, I really love breakfast so if it's not my mom's breakfast uh, which which is great mm-hmm. it would be uh my number one would be the tartan in linville north carolina 
Um, it's tartan like the Scottish Highland clan pattern. Um, you can buy tartan mugs. I've got several, I've got one on the bench over there with particular tartans on them. Uh, it's the, the, the menus, the cover of the menu is a newspaper from the Highland games, which happen uh, just very close to there on grandfather mountain property. Um, and so, but it's, it's pretty straight up breakfast. It's not, they have some, some gentle nods to Scottish fare, but uh, it's more just kind of straight up good Southern country breakfast. Um, there's a place actually right across the street um, from my house here called Stony Knob Cafe, which has an incredible Sunday brunch. Um, you've, it's the kind of thing where you've got to get there at like 9.45 or you're going to be waiting an hour. Um, I really love a place in downtown, just outside of downtown Nashville called Five Points. Mm-hmm. It's what it, it could be right out of Look Homeward Angel in terms of uh, the kind of greasy spoon kitchen diner. Uh, you know, you can sit at the counter and watch the cooks and they've got like a Greek menu. Um, so it's a, it literally where five streets come together. It's called five points. And then there's also a place uh, in Mars Hill called the wagon wheel, which is a, is a good, good country down home place. And, uh, and then a place in Weaverville called Tommy's um you might can tell i've done my research on breakfast you 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 like breakfast now you should check out <laughs> you should check out pop's place in maggie valley you, you probably okay. like that and of course joey's yeah uh so if you after mm-hmm. after breakfast what would uh what would be your favorite hike favorite hike well we took the other day a couple of weeks ago we went to craggy pinnacle um and there's a hike there. I think it's just over a mile. Uh, it's not incredibly strenuous, but it is kind of uphill and it had been raining a lot. So we were kind of walking through a creek most of the time, but you get to, I think it's 5,800 feet at the top and you have great views down into Black Mountain. It's in, so it's in the Black Mountains, pretty close to Mount Mitchell. Um, and uh, that's a cool hike right off the parkway. And then I also like, so I, I'm, spent a lot of time in Mars Hill in my life. Bailey Mountain is kind of the, the dominating peak around Mars Hill. And there's a, they've just, um, there's a, a, like a conservation group that, that bought a farmstead to create a new trail up to Bailey Mountain. And it's about a three mile hike, uh, but it's fairly strenuous uphill to the top of Bailey Mountain, which presents some really incredible views of Madison County. Right. That's just a few minutes right. outside of downtown Mars Hill. And I would, well, I would definitely suggest that. Assuming you um, don't do a nice picnic lunch at the top, which we always recommend. Uh, and you came back down, where would you go for a nice little lunch? Oh man. So my, my absolute favorite lunch place is called Centerville Luncheonette. Um, and it's in North Asheville, just a, a maybe two miles or so from where I am. And, and it's actually my neighbor that runs it. He's from Queens and it's modeled after uh, the, the luncheonette diner that was in his neighborhood where he grew up. Oh, wow. um, and so I know exactly uh, what that looks like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, just good, good grilled sandwiches. And uh, they do have a nod to like Carolina hamburgers with slaw and chili and onions and stuff like that. But uh, you know, good, chicken parm sandwich and Jeff salad and stuff like that. But yeah, they're grilled now, ham and cheese and hamburgers and tater tots are hard to beat. Now, assuming you haven't worn yourself out from hiking, let's, 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 where would you go? Is a good place to go golfing. I know you're a golfer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would suggest, I really like black mountain golf club, which is uh, a little bit East of Asheville, not too far off of I 40. 
Um, I think their claim to fame is like a 747-yard par six, um, which is a pretty sharp dogleg with some crazy um, downhill lies uh, that's more difficult than it should be. But it's a good it's a good course. We have to hit a good good uh, array of shots and, and have to have a good short game. Um, so I really like that. I also love Grove Park. You know, I have to bring in the literature stuff. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald spent the summer of 1935 uh, in the Grove Park Inn. He was off the wagon uh, with liquor, so he was drinking like 30 beers a day. Um, and so there's some great there's some great history in Grove Park. Uh, and the course is an old Donald Ross course. So it's like, uh, Donald Ross is a golf designer for me who doesn't know that's designed like close to 500 courses in the east coast of, of the country. Um, and so it's got all the, the characteristic Ross oh, it's, it's elements to look for, yeah. and it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And assuming you didn't eat at one of the restaurants in the Grove Park Inn, which is they're wonderful places, and I advise that you, you go try those out. Where else would you go uh, get a nice dinner? I I'm going to kind of take the touristy thing here, and I'm going to say Curate, um, which is run by Chef Katie Button, who's a beard. Uh, award nominee uh, it's spanish tapas um, which is really incredible and then limones which is a uh, another restaurant uh downtown Asheville. they their uh ceviche sampler is incredible the last time we went my wife was pregnant so we couldn't eat the ceviche which kind of killed me uh but i will still go back well, um, the name of those are the uh limones limones okay my life well my wife loves ceviche one of our favorite things to do is go eat ceviche so we'll have to check that out yeah well i appreciate you being on the show today it's been wonderful. thanks for having me any other uh, do you have some social media some ways people can follow you any more other shout outs that you want to do yeah i have uh i have my instagram for the violins is uh, at bjj violins um, so if you're interested, you can check that out uh, or email me at bjjohnsonf5 at gmail.com. If you want to know more about uh, the Blue Ridge National Heritage Area, the Blue Ridge Music Trails or the Blue Ridge Craft Trails, you can email me at brandon at blueridgeheritage.com. And so definitely check out uh, blueridgeheritage.com, uh, blueridgemusicnc.com and blueridgecrafttrails.com uh, for more information on cool. on that or my day job, as I call it. Yeah. Well, I look forward to a seeing a great you honor to have that job. Uh, I look forward to seeing you out at the Metal Arc sometime. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Cool. Uh, so, closing up, uh, uh, we uh, to find out more about this uh, podcast, you can go to Gateway to the Smokies Fun. We have a, a newsletter you can sign up to get notified of uh, uh, other other upcoming podcasts. Um, you. Um, and of course, we have a Facebook page called facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast, where this is live streamed with video. The Zoom stream is, uh, is, is streamed out on there. Um, you can, the, the, this podcast is part of a talkradio.nyc, which is a, a, a live podcast uh, station in, that uh, is in New York City. Uh, and it goes out uh, with live podcasts every day. Uh, that are really interesting and very diverse, uh, ranging from, you know, uh, the spiritual and divine to practical business to uh, tourism in New York City. And in fact, the, the podcast that follows this one is about uh, visiting New York City, and I recommend you listening to it so you can get a nice balance between uh, rural mountain adventure and a city uh, skyscraper adventure. <laughs> um, and uh 
and, and come uh, come visit me at both because I live in both worlds. Uh, and I thank you all for coming. Um, next week, we will have another great show. It's every Tuesday is from uh, from uh, six to seven. We have a, a new expert in the culture of the Smoky Mountains adventure uh, coming here. And um, check up, with the, go to the metalarchmotel.com to find out uh, new, current specials for visiting the mountains. Right now we have a, a weekday special. You come in on Sunday or Monday night, stay three nights, you're going to get one of those free. Uh, the metalarchmotel.com. And, uh, and it's been a pleasure being uh, a part of this podcast with my guest, Brandon Johnson. Thank you. Yes, sir. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.